Hey, V1 Church, this is your lead pastor, Mike Signorelli. And uh, are you cozy? Are you seated? How good was worship today? Man, every, every time we get together, it's amazing. I'm gonna share some mind-blowing things that God has been doing in our house. But before I even do that, I just wanna take a moment and celebrate. I have been thinking about the last couple of weeks and all that God has done from Indiana to Brooklyn to Long Island. God has done some of the most insane things that any of y'all have ever experienced in your life. And I would be remiss as your lead pastor if I didn't hit pause right now before we jump into the sermon and actually just take like a 10 second praise break. Some of you guys come from some churches that were digging dignified and holy, but we're going to undignify ourselves. And I hope you feel something stirring in your gut right now. We're going to thank the God of the universe for dipping his finger into our Brooklyn and Long Island locations and doing some amazing things. So I'm going to count to three and then I want to do like a 10 second praise break. And come on, some of you have been healed, delivered, set free all within the last couple of weeks. God has brought you into a church where you have a pastor, you're being discipled, and you didn't even think that was possible in New York, but God's doing it. So what I'm going to do right now is we're, I'm going to count to three, and I want, I'm telling you, let your hair down, throw a shoe if you have to, but let's just stir up some wild praise for 10 seconds. Are you ready? Come on now. One, two, three. Come on, let's praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come on, raise up your voices. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did and what you're going to do in our families, in our lives. Come on, make some noise. Just a few more moments. Father, I thank you for what you've done this fall. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> yes. Listen, I had to do it. I had to take a second just to praise God for what he's done. And I'll just tell you this, some of you praised and it was a down payment for what's getting ready to happen in this service before it's even over. Oh, now I gotta teach you something. Go ahead, like just gather yourself now. <laughs> but I wanna show you something that God showed me. I was up till 1 a.m. working on this. Just in a few moments, I'm gonna bring my wife up. Pastor Julie's gonna spit some fire. She's got some profound revelation to bring to you. But I was up till 1 a.m. and the Lord was just giving me this incredible revelation. So I want you to get your notepads ready. I wanna get your, come on, are you? ready? Are you ready? I want you to get your pens ready. And I want to look at this together because this is going to blow your mind. And then I'm going to be showing you video and pictures of what God has been doing in our V1 uh, world, like in our church. And it's going to absolutely blow your mind. Okay. So Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says, I, this is Jesus. I have given you authority to trample so to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, okay, let's back up. I have given you authority to trample, to stomp on scorpions and snakes. Is he talking about literally killing snakes and scorpions? No, no, no. Talking about the works of darkness, demonic forces. I've given you authority over. That's a positional. That's a positional revelation. And it says over all the power of the enemy. Everybody say all. Come on, all the power of the enemy, all means all, nothing, everybody say nothing. Come on, that's good. I've got some learners here. Nothing will harm you. So authority 
is the gift of submission and surrender to Christ's leadership. Let me say it another way. Because disciples are under authority, they are given authority. I'm going to answer the question, why are we seeing so many miracles at V1 Church? Why are we seeing literally hundreds of people being freed from demons? And we have not saw that at other churches we've attended. We have not seen that uh, in other seasons of our life. But why are we seeing it here? It's very simple. Because disciples are under authority, they are given authority. Authority is the gift of submission and surrender to Christ's leadership. After Jesus returned from the wilderness where he defeated Satan in a battle, he quickly gained a reputation for speaking and acting with one with authority. This is Luke chapter four, verse 36. So follow me. Are you with me? Follow me. Jesus is taken by the enemy to the highest height and he's overlooking everything. But at that high place, of false authority through pride, he tells the devil, I'm going to be in a fasted state, which means I'm not going to fulfill the desires of my flesh. I'm not going to eat food. And in a fasted state, he says, I choose not the high place, but Jesus said, I choose the low place. I'm going to humble myself. Then he defeats Satan and he resists temptation. And then the Bible says in Luke chapter four, verse 36, he comes out of the wilderness and Jesus himself speaks with a new authority, which means Jesus showed us that you can graduate levels of authority, which means the ability to act, right? Authority, the power or the ability to act. So here's the thing. Many of you have been in a low place of authority because you've been in a high place of pride. You've been in a low place of authority because you've been in a high place of religion and tradition of men. But Jesus demonstrated how to increase in spiritual authority is to decrease in pride, decrease in your own plans, decrease in your own wills, decrease into counterfeit comforts. So the centurion whose servant was healed by Jesus caused Jesus, um, healed by Jesus, caused Jesus to even marvel at his faith when he showed that he understood Jesus' power to heal and his authority over, okay, listen to the language, over sickness. So it's not that sickness doesn't have authority. It's that Jesus had been elevated above sickness, the only way you defeat a power is with a higher power, okay? And so it's not that sickness doesn't have power. It's that positionally Jesus had humbled himself and had been now elevated by God above. He had authority over sickness. That's Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. So as you learn how to become a disciple... You are not going to be a weak disciple. I'm getting ready to preach right now. You're not going to be an intellectualized disciple that knows the word but doesn't do it. You are going to be a disciple that functions in authority because you understand position. This is so good. Is this good? Come on, it's okay to shout me down. Now look at this. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 13, it says that he has authority over sickness. 
Let's go back to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. If you still have a finger there in your Bible, I have given you authority to trample snakes. So what is trampling? I am over the snakes and the scorpions. In other words, I am over the demonic works of the enemy. So he has authority over sickness. We are going to trample over the works of the enemy. His authority caused demons to scream out when Jesus was present and then obey his commands. It caused sickness to leave. He demonstrated authority over the weather. So Jesus walked on top of water, which is a place of dominion. So to be discipled by him means that you have authority over the weather. I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of times we're too limited in what we understand about what Jesus was trying to teach us. He was saying, I am giving mankind, I am giving humanity full access to pre-fall conditions. So before Adam and Eve messed up, they had dominion over the earth. And now the second Adam, who's Jesus Christ, is going to restore and renew access to dominion over all. So he walks over the water. And then when he feeds the 5,000, he's saying, I can take this bread and when I break it, it multiplies because I have authority over matter. (laughs) Come on. This is what I was up to 1 a.m. The Lord was just speaking this to me. He's saying, You take fish. In order for a fish to multiply, it requires the laws of nature, the laws of science through procreation. But I have authority over matter and I can multiply it. This is, I mean, what can the Lord do in your life if you got a revelation of what I'm trying to say right now? And even death had to submit to Jesus. So it's not that death doesn't have power, but positionally it's here and Jesus was elevated above death. Jesus gave authority to his disciples and by his Holy Spirit has given the same authority to you, to the church, the true church today. The way I want you to understand authority is very simple. I have two daughters, Everly and Bella. Everly is a teenager. Bella is seven years, or Everly is, or Bella is a teenager. Everly is seven years old. So it's very simple. When Bella is annoyed by Everly, she's not cleaning her room and Bella steps on a, uh, on a Lego and she's just like, dad, tell her to clean her room up. Then all of a sudden she comes to me. It's the revelation of authority is that Bella does not have authority over Everly. But then when I, as a dad say, Bella, you tell Everly, dad said, clean up your room. Then when Bella goes back to her younger sister and says, hey, dad said so, the younger sister does not fear the consequence of Bella. She fears the consequence of dad. And so because Bella is carrying my authority, I have authority over Bella. Bella is submitted to my leadership in my home. And because she lives in dad's house and she submitted to dad's leadership, when I tell Bella, you now have authority to tell your sister to clean her room. Her sister is really not listening to her. Her sister is listening to my voice through her. Oh, I wish you got this revelation. So when a Christian says, devil, come out of them in Jesus' name, it's because you live in your father's house, submitted to Christ's authority, and the demon is not listening to your authority. The demon is listening to the consequences of disobeying the voice of your father through you. This is what it means to be a disciple 
disciple, you're connected to a hierarchy of authority. Man, this is such a deep revelation. And so when, when you're a Christian, if you don't have power to cast out demons, it's because you're not a submitted disciple. You're an unsubmitted disciple. You're a rebellious disciple. But if you are submitted, submitted to Christ and his leadership, authority flows down from that and gives you the ability to speak to sickness. Sickness is not listening to you. Sickness is responding and reacting to the authority of your father through you. He's the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is the one that by his stripes, we are healed. So it comes through us, but sickness bows to the authority that is coming through you as you are submitted. First Peter chapter five, verse five and six says this, young men in the same way. So everything I just talked about submitting to Christ in the same way, submit yourself to your elders and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble And then it says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that in due time he will exalt you. So submission now, after Jesus has ascended to heaven. Now, this is first Peter, meaning at this point in in scripture, Jesus has now ascended to heaven. So Jesus is not physically on earth. We have the Holy Spirit. And then what has been replaced by Jesus physically are other men with the Holy Spirit inside of them that have been given leadership positions. And so it says in first Peter chapter five, verse five and six, that if you submit yourself to your elders, So the people who are in leadership over you and you choose to be humble and submit to their delegated authority by God, then God will exalt you and lift you up. But they didn't think being exalted meant you'll be famous, you'll have a lot of money, you'll have a nice car. They knew that being exalted meant an increase in authority over matter, over weather, over sickness, over the demonic. They understood that there was going to be an increase in authority by submitting to God's delegated authority. So that's why your discipleship conversations over coffee, if they're not connected to submission to leadership in the local church will not increase your authority. So the reason why other churches are not having tens of thousands of people get delivered from demons and medically verifiable miracles is because you have a whole bunch of people fighting over whose plan, how they do church, what songs they're going to sing in worship. And they're all arguing. They're all fighting. They're all trying to get up over each other. They all want to be seen. They all have this egotistical, religious, pharisaical, nonsense that's like putrid smell in the nostrils of God. But then when you look at first Peter, it says, young men submit to the, your elders. And then there's this hierarchy. There's a flow from the throne of God down into the earth. And, and it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble, humble yourselves. And it even says humble. It says, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. And so wherever you find humility this way towards one another, humility in in submitting to the leadership that you see that God has designated, you will see exaltation of authority. And that's what you have at V1 Church, mutual submission to each other, mutual submission to leadership, submitting to God. And it flows from me as the lead pastor on down to the care pastors, on down to the connect group leaders, on down to the dream team leaders, on down to the 
congregants. It flows all the way down into our children's ministry. And that's why you see a culture of sustained revival. Oh, here, last thing I've got. Jesus said he humbled himself when he went to the wilderness, then God lifted him up. Demons do not obey unsubmitted disciples. They do not, sickness does not obey unsubmitted disciples. Weather and matter does not obey unsubmitted disciples. But when you clothe yourself in humility and you lower yourself and you say, I'm going to receive from leadership. I'm going to receive from Christ. I'm going to let that anointing flow down. I will tell you the miraculous will begin to manifest. And those who humble themselves into this position and posture they endure temptation. They put the, the carnality of the flesh away and, and they begin to be like Jesus in the wilderness. They will come out from that place in a new level of authority. So I wanna show you right now the things that have been happening as a result of us being disciples that function in authority to be able to trample over, come on, to be elevated above sickness and disease and addiction. I wanna tell you what's been happening in our church. First of all, Nikki Taylor. Nikki Taylor sent us an, a picture of how she broke up cigarettes and said, God has given me authority over addiction now as a true disciple. And I want us to celebrate the fact that her, her addiction to cigarettes is broken. Come on, I want to show you another one. Kelly Standerford. This, this one will kind of speak to many of us. She said her thing that she dealt with was negative self-talk, laziness, no follow-through. She was a complainer, and she took dominion over that and said, my emotions are not going to lead me. I am going to take dominion. I have authority over my emotions. And look at this picture of Kelly. She's saying, I choose this smile because I have the joy of the Lord. And she posted it publicly because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? We overcome. Think about that. We overcome. That's a positional authority by what? The blood of the lamb. And then we say it, the word of our testimony. Come on, Kelly. And then we got Nicole Scheinbeer. This is crazy. Nicole Scheinbeer had received a counterfeit comfort of the Holy Spirit through marijuana. And she literally said, I took my marijuana, put it down the garbage disposal, but captured this picture before I did it because I'm a disciple who is going to be free from addiction and counterfeit comfort through marijuana. Come on, y'all. This is what revival looks like. This is what happens when you have this, the, the authority installed in the way that the Bible said so. Look at Erica Irabor. This is crazy because this one's deep. Erica said, I excessively online shop. And now I don't have to, I don't have to receive comfort from excessively online shopping. And she even showed her going in and deleting apps because she is gonna be free from the addiction of shopping because, watch this, she's been given authority over. It's not that online shopping doesn't have power, it's that it is a lesser power to the power that she has found as a true disciple. Okay, I wanna show you another one, Lorna. Lorna McCoy was addicted to games. What is that? It's a distraction. Maybe she needed a distraction from pain, a distraction from what she's been going through. And instead of going through that distraction and facing it head on like Jesus did in the wilderness, she had accepted games instead and said, I'm gonna go into the distraction instead of destroying the distraction. But then guess what? As a true disciple, she submitted. She said, God, I'm gonna humble myself. And she got free from even 
uh, the addiction of gaming. Isn't that amazing? I wanna show you just a few more because this is what's happening in V1. This is what God's doing. Samantha Hawthorne said, my dad was an alcoholic. The alcoholism was coming for me and literally dumped out hundreds of dollars of alcohol to say, I'm gonna be filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit instead of taking in counterfeit spirits. Come on, isn't it crazy, dude, that they call hard alcohol spirits? Come on, we don't have to, we don't have to be in denial. There is a power, but there's a greater power. Come on, church, I wish somebody would start celebrating what God's doing in our midst. This is all-out revival. This is what's happening through discipleship. Rachel Gonzalez, she's just like many of us. She received a counterfeit power. Witchcraft is manipulation, domination, and control. Oftentimes, when you don't feel like you have control, you'll take control. And she, Rachel Gonzalez said, I was in a new age spirituality, yoga, Reiki healing, crystals, and now it's all in a dumpster for no one, including herself, to ever use again because she doesn't need a counterfeit power. She's flowing in the true power of Jesus Christ. Come on, Rachel Gonzalez. We're celebrating you today. You are a disciple. And then this one is, <laughs> this is the last one I'm gonna share with you. There's so many more I can share. This is Jennifer Sosa. Jennifer Sosa, and I think it was so powerful when I watched this video, she posted it and said, this is what God's doing. She literally had an e-cigarette where she was vaping through it and she didn't even know what she was doing, how it was aligning with scripture. She took that e-cigarette, she threw it down on the ground. I want you to watch this footage. And then she began to stomp it out. And as she stomped it out, she, she held it in her hands and she began to say, I stomped it out, I'm free, I'm free. I want you to see this footage of her physically stomping it out. But what she didn't realize is when she decided, I'm gonna be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, he said, I will give you authority over scorpions and serpents and you will tread upon them. And so 2000 years later, we see disciples literally treading upon scorpions and stomping them out. Out. This is what authority looks like. So church, let's celebrate. Freedom is still happening. Deliverance is still happening. Healing is still happening because disciples have authority. Come on, everybody right now, I want you to just praise God for what he's doing. Now help me welcome my wife, Pastor Julie, as she shares the rest of this message. Come on, Pastor Julie, let's bring some heat. I know that God's given you an incredible word for our house. Come on up, Pastor Julie, come on up. Amen, that's a powerful, powerful word. Um, if you guys are taking notes, you can just go ahead and get started. I'm just gonna continue on with what Pastor Mike has already just so richly deposited into this house. Um, but there are certain things that are gonna keep us from that kingdom authority, that will keep us from walking in that kingdom authority. And uh, John Maxwell, how many know him? He's a great leadership author. He says, you gotta give up to go up. And being a disciple, in order to go up, you have to give up some stuff. I wish I, we were the kind of church that said, well, you know what? The Lord just loves you so much. You could just keep on doing what you're doing. You know, you prayed that prayer and you're good to go. No, 
being a disciple means that there are things in our life that we're going to have to lay down for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, in Luke 9, 24, it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so it may feel like in the beginning that you're giving up things that you love. I mean, I'm sure those people who had the testimony of things that brought them comfort, they probably made them feel safe, even though they were destructive in the long run. There is momentary pleasure when you partake in some of the things to numb the, uh, the, the, affliction of this world, right? There's things that we go through. We know this because there's traffic. We know there's affliction, right? We know this because we have kids who don't sleep through the night. We know this because, you know, there's sickness and disease in the world, or we deal with, you know, interpersonal conflict. But the thing is, is we got to give up to go up. And there's some certain things in your life, we're going to talk about two of them today, that are going to keep you from walking in the fullness of your kingdom authority. Is it okay if I say some things that may hurt you in the moment, but might help you later? Is that okay? All right. So there's some things here. There are two things that we're going to talk about today is going to be um, unforgiveness. It's going to keep you from walking in the fullness of your kingdom authority. It's going to keep you from being a, a diligent disciple. And the other thing is iniquity. Now I'm going to go in detail for those things, but those are the two things I want you to remember. Unforgiveness, say unforgiveness. Okay, good students, 12 o'clock. I want to make sure you got the coffee, you know what I mean? Not going in the lunch slump. Unforgiveness and iniquity. I'm going to explain what it is in a minute. For some of y'all, that's an old church word. So we're going, we're going to school today. Unforgiveness, Matthew 6, verses 14 through 15. I'm not going to read it, but it talks about how that the unforgiveness that we hold back, like God has so richly given us forgiveness. If we withhold it from others, it stops up the grace of forgiveness in our life. So the worst problem with unforgiveness is that it blocks God's grace flowing into our lives. And Jesus clearly teaches us that when we will not, when we refuse to forgive others, that God cannot extend that forgiveness to us. So he will only give us the grace and mercy to the degree that we give it away. So forgiveness is not just for us, right? Forgiveness is for everybody around us. So what are some common things that cause deep hurts and roots that produce unforgiveness? I'm going to tell you. Here's just a few of them. Abuse, abandonment, neglect, rejection, divorce, infidelity, theft, betrayal. Those are just some of the ways that unforgiveness tries to take deep root in our life. Now, these are things that may not have affected you, but might have, you might have been around it. So the divorce may not happen to you, but it might have happened to your parents. Does that make sense? We're going to get to that in just a second. So how do you get free of unforgiveness? Three steps. Very simple. Repent. You have to repent of unforgiveness. Now I get it. People might have done bad things to you. I understand but the Bible does not give disclaimers on things we forgive and things we don't. And thank God, Jesus doesn't have disclaimers on our forgiveness, right? We so wanna be forgiven of all of our stuff, but we get very selective when we extend that forgiveness to others. So the step one on how to get free of unforgiveness is repent. Step two, release. You gotta release it. You cannot 
be a disciple of Jesus and hold on to unforgiveness and not release them. So you have to repent, you have to release, and you gotta bless. And you might say, Julie, what do you mean? I mean, if you can give them money, literally give them money. Bless them. If you can give them your prayer, give them your prayer. Do not hold back. Don't put any limitations on how God can use you to bless them. It might be to give them something. It might be to tell them, you know, how you, how you, what you're believing God for on their behalf. It might be, you know, to give them finances. It might be, Lord, just bless their children, bless their lineage, like bless them with your mouth. Do you understand? So you got to repent, you got to release, and you got to bless because when you hold on, to unforgiveness, what you're saying is, God, I want to be in charge. So embracing forgiveness is resigning ourselves as the judge and allowing God to sit on his holy, righteous throne as the judge. And we release ourselves from the responsibility of all the things connected to that unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is messy. Unforgiveness has got a lot of strings attached. Unforgiveness has all these processes and hoops, that red tape that you have to go through. But when you let go of unforgiveness, you are putting God on his rightful place on his throne and allowing him to be your defender. You got to let it go. There is no biblical right to hold on to unforgiveness, no matter how bad. So we have to repent, release, bless. Repeat that. Repent. Release, bless. Okay, so you guys are good students, man. You are on it. Okay, Eileen, I see you, I see you. So unforgiveness. If we want to be a disciple of Jesus, we have got to deal with the unforgiveness in our life. We are not allowed as followers of Jesus to hold on to unforgiveness. And we're going to have prayer in just a minute where you're going to be able to deal with that and begin to pray and repent and all that. Number two, iniquity. In order to be an effective disciple with kingdom authority, you have got to get rid of iniquity. You got to kick it to the curb. Now you might be saying, Jules, I don't even know what iniquity is. Glad you asked. Iniquity is habitual sin or habitual sin that could come through a bloodline. And I'll explain that more in just a second. The word iniquity in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, derived from the word ava, which means to bend, twist, or distort. And iniquity is the tendency towards sin or error because of the influence of one's parents or family history. Let me read to you this scripture. This is in Deuteronomy 5, verses 9 through 10. It says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I know we don't get that coloring page in the kids, in the, <laughs> in the kids' church, but I'm bringing it real. Is that okay? I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Pastor Jimmy Evans says this, God's promise to Moses is the visitation of the iniquities to the parents on their children for up to four generations and the blessing of righteousness to thousands. Now, even though we might raise our eyebrow at God maybe 
allowing children to suffer for parental error, we don't raise our eyebrow to generational blessing. And the enemy always has a counterfeit to what God has. So God has generational blessing and the enemy has generational curses. Now, I know that there are some people out here, maybe they say like generational curses, that's an old word, we don't use that anymore, all those things. Okay, that's cute, but the Bible talks about the sins going forth to the third and the fourth and the fifth generation. So I'm gonna go with what the Bible says. And know that my freedom is not just for me. It's for all of the disciples around me. It's for all of the generations beyond me. And that God wants you to experience true freedom. He doesn't want you to say I'm a disciple and hold on to unforgiveness. He doesn't want you to say I'm a disciple and have secret habitual sin. He wants you totally and completely free. Iniquity stays in bloodlines if you don't deal with it. But we're gonna deal with it today, amen? How many wanna deal with the things that are in their past, the things that are in their life? How many wanna be completely free and pass down freedom from generation to generation? All right, team, I'm gonna have you hit the lights because we're about to talk about what the iniquities are and we all just need our privacy, amen? Here are some ways, if you're like, I don't know, Jules, if I'm dealing with iniquity, let me just list some of the ways that iniquity can present itself, okay? Anger, gossip, prejudice, bitterness, judgmentalism, unforgiveness, chauvinism, dominance, sexual abuse, substance abuse, pride, fear, negativity, control, manipulation, physical abuse, irresponsibility, rebellion, verbal abuse, moral impurity, codependent behavior, antisocial attitudes or behavior. Now you might say, well, you know, Julie, I'm Irish and you were angry. I don't know if, if Irish people are angry. I'm not sure. I used it in all services, but I'm not 100% sure. Italian, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm chauvinistic because I'm Italian. The enemy is so tricky that he'll have you holding hands with your iniquity and bragging about them and get t-shirts about them and be excited about it. But Jesus wants you totally free from the bonds of iniquity. Okay, it might be true. Anger might run in that bloodline, but you have got to be a breaker in your family to say our family is not gonna be known by our anger and our irresponsibility and our chauvinism and our dominance and our control and our manipulation. Our family is gonna be known by the fruits of the spirit. We're gonna be meek, we're gonna have humility, we're gonna have love, we're gonna have kindness, and we're gonna choose joy. Amen. Iniquity, you've got to break bonds with iniquity to step into kingdom authority. It's not free. The Lord will win your battle, but you've got to fight with him. You've got to break the bonds of wickedness off of your family, off of you, off of your children. You've got to be the breaker. Do I have any breakers in the room today? I want you guys to go ahead and stand. Prayer team, you can go ahead and get ready. How do you deal with iniquity? You forgive, you repent, 
you submit to God's word and you pray. You have to submit to God's word. What does God say about being a disciple? What are some of the things you had some of the women and, and, and other people in our church who were crushing alcohol and cigarettes and all those things? It's not about the item. It's about the root. It's about the control. I love what Joe Champion said. He says, nothing masters me. And as a believer and as a kingdom disciple, we're wearing the title, but fear is mastering us. Control is mastering us. Unforgiveness is mastering us. And I'm here to say that we are breaking the bonds of iniquity. They will no longer have power or hold. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be tangled again with the yoke of bondage. As a disciple who wants kingdom authority, you are going to have to lay down some stuff. You can't have it all. You can't have the addiction and the, and the authority in Christ. You can't have the fear and the freedom at the same time. We've got to cross over we have to say, I want to be a follower, not a fan of Jesus, not a fan of spiritual things. I talked to a woman the other day. I'm saying it because it's live streamed. I'm, you know, we were just chit-chatting at the nail salon. She's like, I love religion. I said, honey, you need to love Jesus. It's the only way. There is no other way to the Father except for Jesus. I said, you need to become a follower, a disciple. I gave her the website. I was like, see you at church. She might be at Brooklyn tonight. Don't say nothing. I don't know. Might see her. But who said you have to be under all this iniquity? Who said you have to have anger, gossip, prejudice, racism, bitterness, judgmentalism, unforgiveness, chauvinist, dominant, that you have to be subject and crippling in fear from your abuse from your childhood? Who said you have to live like that? Who said that you have to have substance abuse just because everybody else is addicted? Who said you have to be prideful because of where you came from? Who said you have to have fear or you have to be a negative spouse or a negative um, friend? Who said you have to have control issues? Who said? Who said you have to have antisocial attitudes and behaviors? Here's the thing. I understand that God created us very uniquely. I'm not saying that introverts have to be extroverts for the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But a lot of times the enemy will highlight the things that keep you quiet to squelch the seeds of revival that he wants to use you to deposit, not just me to deposit. We are under his authority. We are under his blood. We are not just a church that focuses on, on the lover part of Jesus. He is also our Lord and we respect him and we honor him and we serve him. And so it's not okay. Anything doesn't go. We gotta lay down the weights that so easily beset us. We have to pick up the cross and die for Jesus because he is Lord. He is the Lord of our life. He's not just our Savior. He's our Lord. And so we live in 
submission to his lordship. Some of you have had Jesus as a savior. And let me tell you, that's beautiful. He did save you. He did wash you clean. But Jesus wants more. He wants more. He wants you to serve him with obedience. He wants you to serve him when it doesn't feel good. He wants you to serve him when holiness isn't popular. He wants you to serve him when righteousness is not the cool thing to do. He wants you to serve him because he's worthy and he is our Lord. Can I read a scripture to you? How much more, Hebrews 9:14, then will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. These iniquities and unforgiveness will lead to death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I wanna tell you that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Don't get caught up on the list of do's and don'ts. You just submit your life to Jesus and you work out your salvation with fear and trembling and you just work it out with Him. Don't get caught up in that. But if you are a disciple of Jesus here today and you are carrying around unforgiveness and iniquity, I'm gonna ask you to lay it down right now in the name of Jesus. We are not holding on to the things that keep us bound and the, and the acts that lead to death. We want to serve the living God. If you need prayer today, these altars are open. If you're struggling with chauvinism, dominance, negativity, control, manipulation, we want to open these altars. There's freedom from you. You don't have to live bound by the fears of the enemy. You can be free in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's just lead us in that song. Let's begin to worship together.